Is this a metal thing? Yes. A little, a little taste. David. David. David, what is this? Hey everybody, I'm Bryce Hanson, that's David Day. We're horror movie talk we uh review horror movies new theatrical releases get priority but we also review older horror movies both good and horrible you know bryce i have i have some some interesting news you know now that we're over there on the youtubes um we can't be cursing in the first couple minutes of the show because youtube hates that and we can't uh we can't talk about or we can't don't, say bad don't words. talk about it then you <laughs> well no i mean it's okay because i was talking to our producer the one and only fart simpson and he was like i can just cut it out and all that good stuff will be in the patreon only feed and then i'll just give you a beeped version of uh of the normal of the normal podcast that mm-hmm. it all be beeped out so the first five minutes we just need to pantomime the <laughs> and we can't say the word well, it'd be interesting to see what uh, people over on YouTube get when we're like, you know, you know, we're making fart. Uh, Earn is living here. Yeah. Wait. Uh, uh, <laughs> Did he really say that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't Never know. know. It's funny. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird. You'll have to pay for the. <laughs> you have to pay for the Patreon exclusive to see how bigoted Bryce actually is. Right. Yeah. Uh, head on over to our website to uh, to get links to you know places like YouTube, Facebook, and Patreon, uh, where you can pay us money to help out the show. We pay that money to artists and people who like to help the show um and uh and we don't we don't get to have any of it so just pay us money and we'll give it to other people and it'll be great <laughs> especially uh fun now that we're entering tax season oh it's uh, wonderful so fun anyway speaking of uh great things like taxes we got a great show today we're going to be reviewing the descent which was voted on by our patrons we want to thank all of our patrons, but especially our new patrons, oh, Wes yeah. M, Emma K, and Kelsey K. Uh, if you're new to the show, we post new episodes every Wednesday. Please subscribe and leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. If you Or check us out on YouTube, obviously. Uh, if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, call 682-253-4468. Uh, we start out every episode giving a brief review on our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10. One being a miserable dredge where it makes you angry. Five being an average film that hits all the expected marks. And ten being so good it transcends genre boundaries. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what you liked and hated about the film. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can bounce for that section. And then later on, we're uh, having a special guest that I'm really excited about uh, our listeners hearing. We're interviewing 
author and behavioral scientist Colton Scrivener about his research into the psychology of morbid curiosity and horror fandom. You guys um, do not want to miss this interview. This is this is the most interesting interview we've ever done. I yeah. would say uh, it's almost as good as the interview for the horror movie museum, which will Hollywood be com- horror museum, Sorry. which will be coming up next week. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> wait to see that. That'll be <laughs> you. That will blow I your mean, God mind. You'll you'll be blowing <laughs> all over the place with yeah. that one. The Hollywood horror museum. That's a good question. Do we need to bleep out hot? Sp- yeah, we definitely need to bleep that out. Um, what if they're just like, you know, tepid, <laughs> tepid, tepid, a little, little, well, we're after five minutes now, so it's, it's okay. We can say all the shit we want now because YouTube doesn't care. Colton, uh, Scrivener was on the show later in this episode. He is great. So stick yeah. around for that. So we watched The Descent again. It was voted on by our uh, patrons at the three spoopy five me level. Um, and like a trusty rope, it still holds up. Uh, the Descent is available to rent on all the platforms that you can rent stuff or I don't think it's streaming on anywhere right now, which is surprising. It's usually streaming somewhere. Um, the descent starts out similar to my favorite porn with a team of international women out in the woods. Uh, they go caving in an uncharted cave system in the Appalachians. Uh, quickly Appalachians. Appalachians. I knew you were going to do that. You say Appalachians. I say Appalachians. You say tomato. I say quickly their expedition goes sideways when a cave, uh, when a cave in happens and they're stuck in the caves short on supply. Um, the film quickly turns terrifying as they find out that the caves are full of goblin monsters hell-bent on eating them, which happens to be my least favorite porn. Uh, this is a fantastic horror movie that hits all hits a lot of different beats of horror. It deals out claustrophobia, dread, jump scares, and interpersonal drama, all while passing the Bechdel test. Uh, a rare accomplishment in any horror film. What's the Bechdel test? We already talked about this in our previous episode. It's the... I have no memory of that. <laughs> so the Bechdel test is like a basically a test of how uh how misogynistic or or how realistic does your film feel uh, based on how real are your women in it? So the the three things it needs to pass is is there more than one woman? Uh are they named? Uh do the women talk to each other? about um things other than the main character that's a male and it's surprising how few movies pass the bechdel test we talked about this you told me this yeah previously like long ago or just recently not that long ago like a couple weeks ago i don't pass the bechdel test at all no no this podcast does not pass the bechdel test we do not have two named females (laughs) hey whoa you're you're glad we only have one is what i'm saying thank you um so what was i tripping me out i can't remember any of that i it's yeah well you and my mom like we'll never actually be able to foresee when dementia hits 
just because the short-term memory is not oh, really you're there. so you're so smart look at bryce with his big fucking brain over there holy moly well, i don't, i have to take your word for it that this is in my short-term memory because i don't remember it happening in my long-term memory either how long yeah. is short-term memory we had a conversation about this like an about hour. how long short-term memory is right yeah we talked about this like an hour ago you're doing you're gaslighting me on purpose <laughs> I, we didn't actually have that conversation. I am gaslighting you. Okay, back but to I'll admit the it. descent. Um, anyway, there's also a very famous podcast, like one of our main competitors called The, the Beck Beck Del Test. Test. Yeah, that's what I I was thinking about that. Right. Uh, anyways, um, the unique setting of the film and the deliberate slow burn draws the audience in in a way that most monster films don't. By the time we're introduced to a, to the main antagonist of the film, we've already seen the protagonist crushed with the fatigue and uncertainty of whether they'll find a way out. Although dark and disorienting, the film has some really great creature design and gory effects. Um, it uh, doesn't let up even in the end and is a really unique viewing experience and stands alone um, in the genre. It's... Uh, I think at this point, like it's well beloved. I mean, it's it came out in two thousand five, which uh, the early two thousands. Um, debatable whether that was a great decade for horror movies, uh, but and there it. <laughs> the only thing that really dates it is the font and the uh, the computer generated camera flare on the uh, the titles, which is like oof. That's like feels like straight out of a Britney Spears video, but. Uh, other than that, everything really holds up really well, um, and it's a really unique movie. Um, I don't think about it a lot, but whenever it's mentioned, I'm like, yeah, that is a really great movie, and, and watching it again just confirms it. Um, it's really tight. It's It was directed by uh, Neil Marshall, which you might uh, recognize from uh, our review of Small Soldiers, and... <clears throat> Uh, a previous movie that was about werewolves and and um, was an all basically an all male cast. Um, Did you say small was, soldiers? You said small soldiers just now. Did you right, mean yeah? Dog soldiers? On small, oh, dog soldiers. Okay. Um, I was trying to game the algorithm, David. I'm trying uh, to let people correct huh. me in the comments. Right, Have, this guy over here with his shitty short term memory. Hmm. How interesting. How the turntables. See, when I misstate something, it's for a purpose. It's to, to elicit comments. You should check out our uh, recent YouTube shorts and uh, our TikToks for uh, some examples of trying to uh, basically piss off people into interacting with right. our social media. Oh, man, we should play some of those towards the end of the show. This is going to be a long one no matter how you cut it, so we might yeah. as well. Um, so anyways, as far as the score, I, I think this is a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, I can't find anything wrong with it and it's really enjoyable and really stands alone in, in the genre of like finding a new way to tell a story that's like dreadful and terrifying. It's, it's like one of those movies where you're like, how has no one ever thought of this before? Because like why hasn't anyone done like a really great caving horror movie? You know, 
We need more spelunking and horror is all I'm saying. No, you're definitely right. Um, what, what are you giving this thing? Uh, <laughs> oh. Please tell me you're joking. Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh. Um, you know, there are a few, there are a few good, um, you know, I was, I was interested in it. Um, there are a few good, uh, caving horror movies. Um, and, uh, as above, so below is top tier. Um, you got the cave and then you got the descent. Um, there aren't a lot of them. Uh, and it's, it's such a great setting for so many different scenarios. Yeah. It is surprising that it's not used more. I remember when I first saw this thing, I think I saw it with um, my wife uh, back in 2007 or so. And before she was my wife and it, you know, back then it was like, wow, this is fucking crazy. There's uh, it's it suffers a little bit uh, over time, you know, on second, third viewing. I think I've seen this. This is probably my third or fourth viewing of this thing. Um you know, just knowing what's coming up that first, that first viewing on, on the descent is pretty spectacular. Uh, not knowing where it's going, not knowing what's, where it's coming from really is, is fabulous. Whereas, you know, later, uh, in today, we're going to be reviewing, uh, for the Patreon only review, we're going to be reviewing signs. Uh, and it is, I mean, signs, it, I can watch it a thousand times and it's every time it's like fucking so satisfying. Like, it's just like uh, it, it makes that my hair stand on end. It's it's I care about the characters a lot. And um, so juxta ha- having th- this week, having signs to juxtapose against the descent, I realize how a little bit more one dimensional the descent is. And it's uh, I'm going to take a, a couple points off just because repeat viewings and you know that kind of thing but that being said it is a it is a very interesting and scary movie uh with a very uncommonly used backdrop right caves which it's like seems so rife but i imagine it it presents a lot of um difficulty difficulties yeah yeah Yeah, right uh you got those close-up images uh it, it famously as above so below uh filming was was nightmarish um so i imagine just close-ups and all that kind of stuff is hard to do so there are easier settings um that you can that you can grab but i'm gonna say eight out of ten i mean it's it's really super solid it is a cult classic definitely for sure uh at this point um people people love it i have a good enough time with it um and there are some fun things about this movie there are some fan theories and that kinds of things uh where uh you know it's it's interesting to talk about and yeah i i i like this movie pretty good coolio so if you heard any commercials before the episode or right before what i'm saying right now you should know that you don't have to listen to those commercials. You can go to our Patreon and unlock the ad-free version of, of the um, most recent episodes 
and uh, you actually get access to them a little earlier than the regular feed just because we post them as soon as they're edited. Um, also check out our shop at horrormovietalk.com slash shop. Um, we also um, feature artwork from our resident artist on that shop from Dustin Goble. He's a professional artist who fucks art, and you can contact him at dgobel 0 on Instagram. That's at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, call 682-253-4468. Thanks for listening. Let's get into spoilers. I can't find my spoilers cue. Perfect. Seamless. Oh, Jesus. Very good. Very good. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a interesting movie. Um, it starts out, I, I, I will say, like, it does have kind of the human element, but it feels a little more tacked on, especially if we're comparing this to sightings. Um, it has, like, the Science. horrible... Signs, yeah. Um, it does have the horrible tragedy in the in the beginning um, with her driving home with her husband. She's like, "You seem a bit distracted. Stab in the face." Yeah, yeah. And she, it was almost a tragic boating accident, but then it ended up being a tragic carring accident. Right. Um, I was a little confused because definitely her little daughter died in that wreck, but. I'm not sure if her husband did. Yes. He definitely did. I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean that's that's the contention throughout the movie, right? Is um is the one gal was also she's like we all lost a lot of people in that accident and the in, in the in the Oh no, I'm telling you something you didn't realize. Oh, this is embarrassing. No, she go had ahead. been she'd been uh the uh the one gal had been fucking the other gal's husband. Oh, uh, when yeah, was yeah. that revealed? I guess I wasn't paying attention. It was uh, it was alluded to, oh, um, and then okay. um, but uh, but oh, was that the necklace thing where it was like live every day or whatever? And she had that necklace. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know. This is why I took a couple points off, is because it's like I ah, I don't care. Like I was just kind of like eh, you know, like I've seen this so many fucking times. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, but uh, but I will tell you that. She was fucking her husband. <laughs> Everybody got a little bit, you know. Um. Okay, so um, so the the main character loses her husband and daughter the first like basic scene of the movie, but we're also shown like this group of women having a good old time, being outdoors with each other, exploring holes, rafting, um, exploring holes. Yeah, that's that's what this whole movie is about: exploring yeah. holes bunch of international my favorite, my favorite pastime for sure for sure so so they go into the appalachian mountains and uh find this cave system um that we don't find out till later is completely unknown mm-hmm. to the world um and that's what most of the first half of the movie is, is them just caving and like the actual horror 
of spelunking. Yeah. Which is not insignificant. I'll tell you what. Like, no. <laughs> if you if you want to experience like true like dread, just go on TikTok and find the people doing videos of them caving, where it's yeah. just their they're shoving themselves through. They're using the tips of their fingers to drag their body very slowly across a ten-inch wide gap in the crust of the earth. Right. It's just like, like <laughs> they don't know where this cave is going, and they're just there's literally rock touching their back and their chest as they're crawling through, and they're like, "Uh oh, it got tighter when I didn't. It looked like it was widening up, but it's not. And now there's water. Yeah, and you're it, like, well, shit. <laughs> I've been down a few YouTube rabbit holes where they're like stories of caving gone wrong, you know, um, and uh, and a, a, a common theme is. You know, we looked at the weather report. It's not what you would think. Necess- it's not the first thing off the top of your head, is, which is like, oh, you get stuck down there. No, it's you don't have enough time to get out and it starts raining up above. Like, because what's the thing that makes caves 99% of the time? Water. And uh, it's water draining down into the crust of the earth. and uh, And when it rains... These things turn into giant uh, funnels, and if you get stuck in the tight points in those funnels, you drown. It's and... way less fun than raging waters. Oh my god, so much less fun! Like immeasurable. Let me ask you though, Bryce, before we get into because this is a huge part of this movie is just claustrophobia. Are you mm-hmm. a claustrophobic person? Do you is that something that makes you panicky? Um. No, really having to think think about that. No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm uncomfortable like when I'm mushed up against stuff and I'm not I'm not happy with it. But it's not like a fear, I don't think. Oh, okay. Like I would like just flying on any airline like I would be having a panic attack if I had claustrophobia, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know. Yeah, I um, when I was a little kid. I can't remember exactly like I've blocked out a lot of it. My dad, a couple times I would be in a, you know, kid playing around in a sleeping bag, you know, like just there's a sleeping bag. I'm playing around. My dad, a couple times grabbed the sleeping bag by the, the opening, closed it up, tightened it all the way down to where I was and then just stayed on it. And uh, and I had, would have these big, huge, I didn't know it at the time, panic attacks. Um, and he wouldn't let me out. And I'd be screaming and screaming and screaming. Um, this was your dad? Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I had claustrophobia pretty, pretty bad, I'm assuming because of that. Um, because it was real <laughs> yeah. hot and you couldn't breathe. Um, well, look, this isn't kind of like, this is just me going through therapy, you know? Anyway, (laughs) but, but, uh, when I became, when I was like 18, I got a job as a, as an electrician or a, at a low voltage electrician, we're retrofitting, you know, wires into places and they made me go into attics and crawl spaces. And it just like facing that just, just force it, forced me to, and now I can just do it. No problem. Um, 
it, it doesn't bother me even a little bit to actually be stuck mm. uh, down in some place because I, I know that if I just, it do, it just doesn't bother me. I know that I can get out. You know, I know right. that there is, that there is no amount of actual hard rock that I can't chisel out at. But you know, I got a phone. You know, as long as you have a phone and you're in a tight space, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Although, if you're in a cave, no LTE down there. Not even LTE. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, this is a pretty effective part of this movie is because, you know, if if you're claustrophobic, this is going to make you upset. Yeah. And I mean, not to undersell the danger of, of getting stuck, too. I mean, like there's the nutty putty cave accident. I don't know if you've heard about that. Mm-mm. Um, So if you can go on Wikipedia to oh, yes. learn about the nutty putty cave. But there's this. <laughs> The wackiest named cave is the most horrifying uh, accident. It's in Utah, and this guy was just climbing down, and it it gets, you know, down to a narrow point. I think he was going to kind of a new section, but it was like he was angled down, like his head was down, and got wedged in. There he is. And it was like just a, you know, the pathway was writhing enough that they couldn't get equipment down to him to pull him out effectively and the gravity just pushed him until he was suffocating inside the cave and they they couldn't get him out they couldn't even get his body out they just some they concreted over the hole and now it's closed they were like it's like he's falling down in there like he's some sort of putty like he's he's (laughs) morphing to fit the hole like he's some sort of nutty sort of like putty kind of mm. stuff and then the name stuck like nutty putty and there's the other like super they put effective... a plaque outside in front of it john edward jones is his name poor mm-hmm. little mormon boy smiling mm-hmm. got a nice smile poor poor lad yeah they got the and on the plaque they have the turrets of uh, the mormon temple on yeah. the plaque are you are you listening That's to me uh-huh. This is so fucking crazy. On the plaque of this guy being like, I'm dead in this cave. They have the... Do, do, do you see the it. picture of the plaque? It is it's so trippy that they would put the actual um, Mormon temple spires in the background of his thing. I don't know. Anyway. I mean, it's it's religious iconography. It's like you wouldn't bat an eye if it was in the shape of a cross. You know, no, I would not. Then it'd be kind of normal and be okay with it. Yeah, like it's completely normal to to show an execution method of your savior, but you know, showing some buildings is like a bridge too far. Oh, did we? Wow, did we hit? Did we hit a uh, a little nerve there? I'm just showing the irony of it as well. Oh, okay, all right. Um, It is a nutty time, though. Is our point? It's not nutty. (laughs) Just absolutely nutty. A sticky, chewy, peanut buttery. Put it away, boy. <laughs> Trying to find the... Here's the uh, diagram. So, yeah, he's he's like... Stuck in the nuttiest part of the cave. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Look how nutty that is. Oh, damn. They got, the, they got his little fucking figure there. If you're on YouTube, you get to see one. <laughs> Look, there's a little space just for his head. It's like the cave knew. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, He's man. not quite there yet. And <laughs> he stopped right before it. 
He's like, uh, guys, I'm reaching the end. So Dude, yeah, that'd they're be like so scary. Oof. So they had to like get these ropes out, and it just does all these twists and turns. Anyways, don't go caving. Just don't do it. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. There's it just doesn't seem like there's a lot to be gained. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, um, what's some other some other like caving horror stories come to mind? There's there's like a really famous creepy pasta that's about a guy going down into some caverns and like you know uncovering a evil entity and then there's that there's that, that one where like mega. there's there's like the shapes of the people cut out into the right. side of the yeah and it fits you perfectly except it fits you so perfectly that it's like a it's like a vacuum seal so right you can push a little air out but like when you try and pull out like it even fits the 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 yeah, your fingers. You know, like it right. got little toe marks for your toes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so now there's a lot of you know, spelunking related horror, but not still not a lot of uh, horror movies. I mean, I guess we also reviewed Forty Seven Meters Down Uncaged. It yeah. Was a underwater. Kind of underwater yeah, spelunking caves. part in there. Um, but yeah, it's really ripe. Um, and so they go they go into this cave. No one's ever been there before. And then of course. You know, disaster happens. There's a cave in. Um, in terms of special effects, like for some reason, every time there's like rocks or cave ins, like Hollywood has made such strides for realism, but large boulders is not one of them in terms of special. They always look like big old dumb foam. It's so fucking fake trippy rocks. that you're talking to me about this because I'm working my way through. Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> There's always a fucking cave in or a rock slide, and you uh-huh. get these big dumb foam rocks, and, and they're always like, bouncing oh, off people. Oh, <gasps> a boy. Oh, I watched oh. one last night. Yeah, and it was just like that very thing happened. I was like, Well, yeah, it's crazy on Star Trek where the bridge gets hit. And all of a sudden, it's like made of rocks somehow because there's all these rocks that fall inside the bridge. <laughs> like, where did those come from? Is it just metal and plastic? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they they know. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's just a fun time. Yeah. No. Um. Did you, so I didn't. I didn't notice it being terrible in the descent. Was uh, was there a part where it uh, where it bothered you? It's just always it pulls me out. Just anytime mm-hmm. there's like falling rocks, it's like falling foam mm-hmm. yeah. and i don't know i mean it'd be better just not to show it to be like just a bunch of dust and blackness you know and rumbling than to show like a bunch like three dumb foam rocks go plunk plunk look plunk. look what are what are uh our um stunt doubles for if not for throwing real rocks at them i know right like, I mean, oh, you can't take a you can't take a hundred and fifty pound rock to the pelvis. Fuck off! Like this is your job, right? I mean, that's what insurance is for. Yeah, it's what, it's um, a lot would argue this is what CGI is literally <laughs> for. <laughs> so they're they're stuck in the in the caves, and then they're trying to find a way out, which they don't even know if there is one at all, because um, they don't they didn't bring the book. But even this supposedly isn't even in the book. Um, and they climb through and eventually find uh, 
a cavern. This is just a point in the story, really. It's not super important. But they find a cavern, which is very reminiscent of the Death Star. It's like, a fucking remember, set. It's a set piece for sure. Like, right. this is this is the set piece of the movie. Like, it's like, this is what I remember about the movie is this exact thing. It's so, because it, and the way the camera works around it, it makes, it makes you, it disorients you as to, like, which angle is what and where, like, how right. things work. And it's. Like they they do a good job with the cinematography in this movie, um, in disorienting disorientating you and making you feel like, oh now I don't know where we are exactly because, yeah I mean it's very hard because like well here's the thing, they didn't film this in a real ca- cave they didn't film it in real caverns what? what they did is they they built like I think it was how many of them. Um, that the, the so they blood? had twenty one separate cave sets that Damn. were built for the film, and they're reused in different angles, mm. uh, shoot it from different angles again and again and again and again and again, and uh, so that disorientation is uh, intentional because they also don't want you to see that they're shooting in the same sets over and over again. But then it, there is a couple set pieces where it opens up and you're like, okay, well, this is a different thing. And you can definitely get your orientation. And this is one of them. They're, it's literally the recreation of, of Luke swinging across the chasm mm-hmm. in the Death Star with Leah. Which yep. is, there's an opening on one side, an opening that they're on, and uh, depthless death below. Yeah. And the scene is like... This is before they even see monsters or anything, and it's just the the fear and danger of climbing, you know. And one of them's just climbing on the roof, and placing, um, you know, whatever those things are called cams, cams in the rock. And yeah, you now you have an added element of heights, you know. Right. It's like it really, yeah, yeah. I mean, they so like the different types of phobias that they're playing on there's claustrophobia obviously there's like drowning elements in it there's heights there's darkness you know there's a real element in this one of um of i feel like germs like the pool behind you Uh is the most vile like that no that's the set piece of the movie like right the the there is a blood pool. There is a pool. There is a whole room of just dead animals and a pool made of blood. Like, uh, where that it is so fucking vile to consider that this cavern exists. And it, and it grosses the, there is a part, this is the grossest part of the, this is the, the scariest part of the whole movie to me is like the idea of falling into this lake of blood and, and, just uh just viscera and whatever is in here and just knowing we'll give you some sort of an idea how thick it is it's pretty thick yeah oh yeah it's it is vile and it and it taps into that's the the most effective part of the movie for me is seeing these 
these really um, wet, sexy ladies be dropped into like these biological hazards that you're just like, oh, I'm aroused and terrified all at once. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's a confusing thing. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I was making a joke of it earlier, but I it, I think it is really significant that it is an all female cast and and really kind of goes against the the mold i think originally like it was going to be a mixed sex cast um and uh neil what's his name again neil marshall decided neil tyson decided that you know it'd be better as all female and he was coming off of dog soldiers which was basically all male yeah um and it's good i mean they're all like competent they're all like you know it's not like the damsel in distress um and you could you could switch out this cast with a male cast and it wouldn't feel weird and out of place either um but it is is does feel genuine and feminine there are a couple moments where like they're being really supportive emotionally <laughs> for each other um which only females do um okay which is nice which um, is nice. <laughs> the other, I just which wish is, they kissed more. Is which all. is nice. The uh, yeah, go ahead. The the other which fear nice. that it, that it um, preys on is fear of injury because there's a real oh. gnarly compound fracture early on in the movie. It's kind of interesting thinking about how much happens before we even get a glimpse or an inkling that there's a monster around. Um, yeah, it's it's trippy for sure. It's yeah. It, anyway, I'm sorry. Um, the, it, no, it's it's crazy to think that this is the same guy that did Dog Soldiers. I didn't realize that because this is a much better movie. <laughs> I mean, much, much, much better. And it's only three years later. Like <laughs> this is the movie he did. He directed right after Dog Soldiers. Yeah, so yeah, it's impressive. Um, so yeah, there's this, this scene with a nasty, gnarly compound fracture that someone, one of the girls breaks their legs and Aaron was watching this next to me and she was like really squirming. I was like, (laughs) what's the matter? Never seen a compound fracture before. And then the girl reaches onto the bone and like shoves it back in. And I'm like, (laughs) even I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, it's kind of similar to the scene in, in Dog Soldiers where he's got his intestines ripped out and it just shows him, like, mushing them back in. Push There's, like, a back. real... Put, put those back. Real, like, slippery, goopy, visceral effects um, for for those injuries. It's like me walking into the room after my kids have been playing in it for two and a half hours and being like, <laughs> what are you doing leaving all the fucking colons all over the floor you gotta put those back just put, and then you just, and then the kids are just pushing them back into their mm-hmm. toy boxes but it's a colon uh-huh um so and then eventually we're introduced and we see a glimpse of of the monster which looks almost exactly like golem from from the distance mm. I, I couldn't stop thinking about golem it's it's um, super effective to have these you know they're white. They're without. You know they're they they've evolved to be right. you know to be cave creatures. They have they're sightless. They don't have any pigmentation in their skin. They 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 click using yeah. you know 
uh, echolocation. They, you know, they they can hear really well. They got little elf ears, and and to see this thing, this white thing off in the distance, hunched over, and like you just barely make out that it's a persony sort of thing, and it's just like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, then it scurries away. <laughs> yeah, and there's like allusions to there have been people in this cave before because there's oh, yeah. like an old, uh, what do you call it? hieroglyphs or cave drawings what's the what's the the hook thing that yeah well i mean or whatever well the cams are what the girl's using those uh those the thing that was left in the cave was a much older uh thing it's like a bolt you know they were they actually bolted into the ceiling with these uh big metal pieces so there's like indications that people in the course of the last hundred years have been in here but when you see the monsters you realize like oh these aren't like humans it's literally like cavemen that have evolved over time to dwell in darkness right and so it's actually similar to the premise of bone tomahawk where it's like yeah these is a is a fork in evolution of like you know basically cavemen Uh, that's i love that i love this concept that there's something out there that's similar but not isn't it crazy that there's not i mean i think i don't think we talk about this as a species enough of like we have evidence of like basically close enough humans where it's like oh yeah crow magnon man and like neanderthal neanderthal and like all these different versions of great apes that had intelligence and had used tools and they're just not here now because right. well i mean the way it, the way it works is so much less interesting than it actually being a a a, a for it's not like they don't exist you know gorillas and chimpanzees and bonobos exist right. and that's right. that's pretty fucking trippy you know that is but but you know i mean talking th- about intelligent bipeds though i mean in terms right. of like but i mean again bonobos exist you know it's like they're they're intelligent and they can stand up like i mean but 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 the way it happens on the long in the long term is like you can mate with it until you can't and then yeah compete it like you know like i mean there is neanderthal dna in the human population you know like they can trace you know it's like ozzy osbourne is like 33 percent fucking neanderthal (laughs) it's like and a beautiful yeah, some guys you can it. see it yeah, yeah you like, can oh that guy is definitely but i mean i mean the answer is like either we bred it into one species or just annihilated them off of the face of the earth which but it doesn't happen in that like, like that's a very sudden suggestion that's a, that word annihilation is like it's just over time they just didn't do as good and or got or got included into our bloodline to a degree uh, and to a degree you know just kind of just didn't didn't do it sure well i mean the i mean i still think it's the fact remains it's it's surprising that there's not you know another like actual subspecies that's close to humans you know what about bigfoot except for bigfoot thank you um so anyways, um the rest of the movie is a straight ahead monster movie where they get attacked by the these groups of golems, which actually brings up a good question. Like what would you call a group of of golems? 
Mm. Oh, that is a good question. I think Aaron had the best answer, but I'll I'll let you. You could be, have like a gaggle of golems. Oh, okay. So we're like trying to give uh, the herd a name. Yeah, a gaggle. A gaggle of golems. A, a let's see here. A, a flock of seagulls. Right. Yeah. Um. So maybe a. Uh, um. Maybe a clutch. A clutch of golems. Yeah. <clears throat> Aaron's answer was a circus of golems. A circus of golems. That's pretty good. Yeah. Because yeah. the actor that plays golem is Andy Circus. Oh, okay. I thought it was hilarious. I laughed. So I think I'm just going to flat out say the official group of golems is a circus of golems. What is a golem exactly, right? So, like. Well, golem is actually just one character but no i mean gall yes but the concept of of golems is like is like a jewish uh folklore sort of thing well you're thinking of goblins no i'm thinking of golems Go- the, yeah a golem is a creature found out of a life oh formed out of a lifeless substance such as dust or earth that is brought to life by ritual incantations and sequences of hebrew oh letters. you're thinking about a golem that's different Gollum, a Gollum is like I'm talking about the actual in individual character Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Golem is a different thing. It's spelled the same. No, it's not. Gollum is spelled G O L L U M. Golem is spelled G O L E M. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, the one is inspired by the other, right? <laughs> Uh, no I inspiration as, there. No connection. I see him as completely. Golem is like more of like a. I picture it as like a stocky, like rock or something monster. Mm. Just gonna Golem add, is closer to like a goblin. I mean, okay. I guess we're splitting hairs here. It just seems to me like uh, the inspiration for Golem is a. Is a golem, but uh, I feel like that's, I don't know. I don't know what I'm even trying to say here. So, yes, circus, it's not a clutch. It's definitely, uh, you're right. I, right. I don't, I just don't know. I don't have any meaning. A golem, I think, is either, like, formed out of earth or. Yeah, I always thought it was um, some sort of, uh, like, um What's that thing where you're you're taking alchemy, where you're taking one thing and trying to make it right. into another? I always thought it was an alchemist uh, sort of uh, thing. Um, but I mean, you know, it, uh, blah, blah, blah. yeah. Well, there are horror movies about golems. We'll have to get uh, a Jewish uh, historian on here to talk, tell us about the the history of golems. Golems. A uh, golem. I'm sorry. I'm just. <laughs> okay. Or golem. golem. I don't. Is that what I said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Golem. No, it's it's important what you're doing. What you're doing is you're differentiating between the two different, different, very different things that we're talking. They about. are very different. I'm sorry, David. They are. I'm. What do you think <laughs> I'm saying when I say? Um, you know, words matter. Is I, that's what, what, is I'm, what I'm getting at. I'm saying that 
you can't say that. I'm saying that. <laughs> so the the what golems, movie are we talking? Are we talking the about golems are all uh, or the goblins. Let's just agree on goblins. Um, the uh, the monsters um, attack them. They start feasting on the friends, and there's a lot of confusion. This is where it gets like a little like really disorienting because. It's not to say that all the women look the same. Um, yeah. I mean, Ooh. I've been accused of not, you know, differentiating women um, in the past. But it doesn't help that it's all very, very dark. Yeah. You know? No. Look, I mean. And it's like you're seeing like shadows and like silhouettes of these characters that you just have a very loose grasp on what differentiates them there's like one that's kind of more badass with yeah, short hair it's, and there's one that's asian yeah <laughs> there's one that's like scottish vaguely and asian. so yeah vaguely scottish yeah it's just like okay i don't I, it's, and it's hard to tell it it is hard to tell it's, and so at at some point you're like i don't know whether one person survived or like all of them but one person survived at, at well, that point. is probably answered in the descent too. <laughs> um, but they, they, uh, the probably the notable thing that happens is well, the the goblins eat one of them, and then they're attacking the women. And there's a scene where one of them, I'm assuming the more badass one, the one that cheated on. I don't even know. It's hard for me. It to is. It's. It, I will say that. Yeah. While it does pass the Bechdel test, technically, it is very hard to differentiate between what's happening to who and why. Um, the answer is like um, it's confusing down in the like it would be. It would be hard to tell. You know, if, if your light goes out, it's all the same. You know, it's just, it's, it's it's the setting. So. Right. So um so the the character is Juno, I believe, that is the one that um this happens to or or makes it happen. So Juno is attacking um all these goblins and then she yes. just like defeated a couple of them and then there's like a scurry behind her and she immediately swings around behind her and stabs one of the other girls through the neck. Right. Um, I believe. Ice picks her. Beth, maybe? It's so hard to know. Uh, it is so legitimately. I, I, like, we're, and, like, this is not this kind of podcast. We, we're not the ones to come to for, like, hard answers on stuff. We can't figure out what I the am, golem is. There's, like, two things I have a form of dyslexia around. Number one. Letters. Num numbers. <laughs> Letters and numbers. Right. I have like, oh, there's actually a name for it, but like I, I can't retain a string of numbers in my head for more than five seconds. It's it's uncanny. Um, and I don't make fun of you for it. Isn't that weird? Like, it's oh, like I could. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry, David. No, it's no. I it just doesn't cross my mind because, you know, what's the other thing that uh, that's a problem for you? I'm sorry for making fun of your short-term memory. What's the other things that are documented? And oh yeah, they're proven. documented. Yeah, no, it's a it's a real problem I have. It, it's crippling. <laughs> I go to um, therapy for it. The other one is um, character names. Like I just have blindness 
to character names. I do too. Yeah, definitely. Even in books, like I, it's it's weird how I, I retain. I like just skip over it. It's like I don't even like. It starts with an S and is kind of long. And this is what that character is, and kind of this happens to that semblance of of letters. Yeah, I think my brain goes. It's not a real person. Why well, remember their name? Like, okay. I think I, you know. There are iconic ones, you know, I mean, if we're going to go keep going back to this, well, you know, Aragorn, I'd never Frodo, I'd never forget the, you know, come to think of it, anything J.R.R. Tolkien writes, I'm pretty good at remembering because he chooses these fucking supremely easy to remember names, you know, I mean, Magnus, uh, our super fan from Sweden gets a lot of play over here because his name's fucking epic. You don't forget Magnus. But if you name your character in The Descent Sarah and put her next to another character named Beth and they both have hair, I don't know. It's like, I don't fucking know. You're the same person to me because uh, you're not named, you know, Saskia or something like that. It's, uh, it's yeah. hard to know. Yeah. So this is a weird moment where this happens obviously by accident, but then somehow they try to make it like she did a bad thing and it's her fault that the woman died yeah, she fiona like, appled her where it's like um she backs away and the the girl that's obviously gonna die because her jugular is like has an ice pick through it mm. um she's like reaching out and like if i was juno i'd be like exactly the same it's like sorry honey i love you but you're gonna get eaten by goblins and i don't want to be around here for it apply pressure quickly and then later in the film, when one of them discovers uh, Beth in the the goopy cavern, Beth is like throwing shade at. I think it's Beth again. Uh, whoever whoever they got stabbed in the neck, like is throwing shade at Juno, is like, "Don't trust her. She left me to die." It's like, yeah, because you're going to die, and, and then you do. We can do about it, and then you do. So, anyways, Juno is shown as like the evil. Well, there, Girl. there's an element to Juno at being, I mean, at the at the very least, careless and shitty. She yeah. slept with the other. She slept with the other lady's husband. Uh, she she took them to a cave system, which is unexplored, extremely un bad bad, yeah, bad thing to do. Yeah. Uh, unsafe and bad thing to do. She stabs a girl in the neck, leaves her to die. It's adding to a rap sheet, you know. It's like, yeah, Juno. Which is an interesting thing because she's not a bad person per se, right? She's right. she's actively fighting these things. But this does lead to an interesting uh, part about this movie, which is a, a, a fan theory, which is that uh, the there are no um, – It's again, this is a fan theory. I don't, I don't buy into this, but that there are no uh, crawlers in this cave. It's all Juno doing the killing. Um and uh, and people hallucinating because they set up in the start when they're getting in the cave. They're like they tell the audience, basically, they're talking to the camera. They're like all kinds of things can happen when you're in a cave. You know, you can you can yeah. hallucinate, you know, you can I, all X, Y and Z. So there's kind of a little bit of this groundwork laid for the fact that, you know, maybe these things are a figment of their imagination and, and Juno's just going on a killing spree throughout the caves. But, uh, well, I thought it was that Sarah, the protagonist, was the one who Oh, yes. My apologies. Maybe it could. Yes. Right. Because, yeah, it could be that Juno's 
the good one and Sarah's yeah. going around killing everyone because you never get to see Sarah in the frame um whenever mm. somebody dies or something like that. Yeah, and it's I mean in the trivia it says that the director specifically left out a um a scene early on in the hospital where she like sees or there's like a, an appearance of the of the monster earlier on in the film where he took out because it would have been um oh it would have made it less ambiguous would have made it less ambiguous so maybe there's something there um mm. but also you know i think it really doesn't feel that way like i yeah. mean just watching the movie for what it is it's like no they fuck they're fucking running all over this place like you <laughs> right, can't deny right. this shit yeah i'll tell you what about these monsters though is they definitely for all those bones that they have around they don't seem to get a real good source of calcium because mm. their skulls are crushed with the force of you know crushing a, an orange it appears like, i mean you know bone hurting real brittle. Juice. yeah 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 um so and, and then the the end of the film is kind of a the only ones left are juno and sarah right yeah, yeah. I, I believe juno so. and sarah and then Sarah stabs Juno in the leg as revenge for fucking her husband. I guess fucking her husband. I I mean that passed by me completely, but for accidentally killing someone and leaving them behind. Yeah, and being kind of shitty to the others, getting us into a cave we weren't supposed to be. Just 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 being like, yeah, know, we're not of, friends anymore, and you're not invited to my birthday party. Kind of a shitty thing. Um, and then I watched the ending. I don't know what ending you saw, but apparently there was two endings. Mm-hmm. Um, the American edit, which is what I remember before, which is Sarah makes it out mm-hmm. and she drives off quickly away. Dude, the, like, but let's just say like we got the, the way these bitches drive is fucking insane. <laughs> It's well yeah that's insane. the thing she almost dies from a bunch from a you know a circus of golems uh, chasing after her. and then she chooses to drive like a fucking maniac in Dude, the backwoods <laughs> she's got like a bronco too which i think right. it's a bronco too which is like a, a cool car and right. she's fucking taking this thing off a of fucking jumps she's like getting <laughs> six feet of air yeah. and i'm like Dude, if you didn't die in the cave, you are going to die now. That thing does not have right. traction control at all. I've um, almost rolled over my brother's Bronco like on several occasions just from turning a little too hard. Yeah, from hitting like a banana peel on the road. <laughs> it's just like Mario Kart. Apparently, the there's a bit of trivia that the director was like told the stunt drivers like just break the shit out of it do do whatever you want and he didn't know that the director of photography was actually wanting to buy the car after the shoot <laughs> director so. of photography's like fuck <laughs> god <laughs> damn it um and then there's there's the I'm gonna have to replace the leaf springs the alternate ending or the ending in the uk version was much bleaker to where she escapes in the bronco and then it cuts back and it was all a it was all like a dream. That's the one I saw. Uh, yeah, but I re- she- don't remember it being that. I remember it being a dream of a dream. Like mm. it was like it was a fake out jump scare. And then it was like, no, but everything's OK. But uh, instead, I just got everything's not OK. It's bad. Right. 
in the UK version, she just wakes up in the cave and there's no right. There's no escape. There's no like opening to go towards. Like she's oh, get... she never gets out in the UK version. She never. Oh, it gets... doesn't show her get out, but I mean the she when she wakes up, she's where she was when she saw the opening to the outside. Like when she climbs up that pile of bones oh. and and goes outside. When she oh. wakes up, she's like at that spot, but there's no opening. There's no light coming. No, through. I didn't. So, I did not see that. that so basically, yeah, it's uh, that ending is is you know more hopeless. Um, no, I remember the 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 ending with her escaping because I remember like thinking like to myself like well, those goblins are still there. I mean, that's always like the creepy thing of like, you escape the monsters, but the monsters are still there for the next person that comes. Um, and then the sequel, The Descent Two, starts with sarah having just escaped from the cave so it's a follow-up to the american ending mm. um, so that's the true ending you know <laughs> okay <laughs> to the winner goes the spoils so who would like this film every party all the people i we've been going back and listening to some of the old reviews and i think it was people in the stairs where i was like where you were like, you just say that to everyone. I was like, well, I would. Like, I, <laughs> I was, you know, oh no, it was a sleepaway camp review where, where you're like, who should watch this? And I was like, everybody. And he goes, you say that all the time. I was like, that's, I would, I, I would re- recommend uh-huh. it to everybody. Um, no, the descent is a, is a pretty hard. If 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 if. <laughs> if you got kids, don't show them this movie. Like right. you're, gonna, you're gonna mess them up, dude. Right. Like. Um, I do believe that kids should be kids and remain kids. Uh, so I don't, I wouldn't show this to kids this is fucking real scary. This is real scary stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't um, let up. Yeah. If you want to, uh, see something kind of in a unique, uh, setting, mm-hmm. um, if you like monster movies, um, this is a real good monster movie and doesn't, like rely completely on the played out tropes of like the pacing of, of monster movies. Um, it, it adds a little more to it. So, um, so that's that let's move on. We're glad to welcome to the show, uh, Colton Scrivener, a research scientist at the recreational fear lab at Aarhus university in Denmark. He's currently writing a book on the science behind morbid curiosity and our fascination with horror, true crime, the paranormal, and other spooky parts of life. You can um, find him at his website, coltonscrivener.com. He's got a substack, coltonscrivener.substack.com, with a lot of his publications and other appearances and his really fascinating work. So we're glad to welcome... Colton Scrivener. Yay. So here he is. Thank you so much, Colton Scrivener, for coming on Horror Movie Talk. Uh, really excited to talk to you about your research and and uh, what makes horror fans tick and why uh, they are the way they are. Um, my, my first question is... Um, I, I, read, I read some of your articles and, and several of them mention... The uh, Siskel and Ebert, like uh, bagging <laughs> on on eighty slashers, um, 
and I'm just kind of curious what what do you think is the relationship between uh, morbid curiosity and moral panics? Like, wh- what is that interrelation, and how does that dynamic work uh, overall? Yeah. You think? Yeah, that's a great question. I, so I haven't done a study on moral panics, but now you're making me think that I really should. <laughs> uh, you know, I suspect that people who are kind of in the middle of the moral panic, who are kind of on the side of, of freaking out, uh, are probably not very morbidly curious, and they don't really understand uh, or don't get the appeal of why something could be interesting, even if it's not, you know, bubbly and positive. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's not the case for all of them, but... Um, I suspect, you know, with Siskel and Ebert, they had, from my understanding, a pretty negative view of, like, slashers generally. I think they liked Halloween, and that was it. Like, they didn't really like any other <laughs> any other 80s horror movies that, I could, that I'm aware of. Um, and, you know, you saw the same kind of thing happen, not just in the U.S., but you saw it happen in the U.K. with uh, what they called video nasties, which were, uh, you know, sort of extreme horror movies. I think a lot of them were from, like, Italy uh, and a couple of the places outside the U.K., and, you know, around that time in the 80s, people were bringing in uh, movies into the home. You know, you had you had the ability to now not just watch them out in theaters, but you could actually watch them in your home. And so this idea of bringing these, like, dark and occult-like, you know, gory uh, movies into the home really scared a lot of people who were not into that kind of thing and who I suspect were not very morbidly curious, right? Uh, and so I think, you know, those, those panics probably are, are sort of driven by people who are, who are low in morbid curiosity. Right. Um, so why don't you tell us, like, what do you think is the benefit of morbid curiosity or, or some of these darker elements of of uh, people that can't look away from horror movies or from the macabre? Yeah. Well, in a lot of my writing, I suggest that, you know, morbid curiosity is really pretty old, um, both the sort of specific kind that humans have and the more broad kind that other animals share with us. Uh, and so the, the, the basic adaptation, if you will, of morbid curiosity is to help us pay attention to danger. Now, you know, in our everyday world, we go to the theater and we watch a horror movie or we turn on Netflix and watch, you know, Dahmer or some other true crime show. We're not really trying to prepare for something bad that's going to happen, at least not usually, right? We're being entertained. But kind of behind the curtain there in our minds, there are other, other mechanisms going on that are sort of... Um, used if we were actually in danger, right? There are sort of triggering mechanisms in our mind that activate when we're in real situations of danger. Uh, and historically, paying attention to dangerous things uh, would have been really adaptive because it would help you learn about those dangerous things. So one, one uh, analog I give in the animal kingdom, you know, if you go out to the savanna and you see um, some zebras kind of grazing about, right? Uh, what you'll find is that if a lion comes along, you, you would expect the zebras to kind of just run off, right? If a lion comes, the zebras should run. That should be their, like, their MO for that. However, what you see is that the zebras will actually stand and kind of inspect the, the lion, right? Gazelles do it with cheetahs. Lots of, lots of prey animals do this with predators. And the reason they do that is because it's better for them to know something about the danger that's out there than to just run every time they see something threatening. And I think humans do the same kind of thing, right? If we see a, uh, you know, a news clip about a serial killer or even a fictional case like watching a horror movie, our first instinct is not always to just run away. And in fact, it's much more uh, adaptive in the long run for us to kind of pay attention if we're feeling like we're in a safe place, pay attention to those kinds of threats. That's that's really that's really interesting because I mean that's 
I, I mean, I know my whole relationship with horror and, and how it got started as kind of a, a, a bad, scary childhood. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm super curious, and, and now the way I am um, has informed that quite a bit. You know, like, I want to know what are all, that's why I watch so many horror movies. I'm like, what kind of fucked up shit is out there so that it can't <laughs> surprise me? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and if, and if everything you watch is the most insane thing, then nothing can surprise you, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I, I've seen a, a less – this is, seems like a little bit less than, I don't know, whatever. So what what was it that attracted you – like how did you go down this rabbit hole and w- what attracted your attention about uh, kind of morbid curiosity, horror? Uh, do, you, do you watch a lot of horror? Where did you get your start in this whole interest? Yeah, yeah. I'm a big horror, horror movie fan and horror video game fan. Um, and I have been since I was a kid. Uh, I never thought that I would be studying it for a job or, you know, I never thought I would be sitting around thinking about it academically as well. Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, being a kid, I actually, my introduction to horror was with, (laughs) with Resident Evil, which I was, you know, I tend to think that, you know, kids can handle more than people think, but I was probably a little too young to be playing Resident Evil. Uh, definitely scared me a lot. Um, but I remember playing that and what I liked about it was, you know, it was really terrifying and there was all these scary things, but if it got to be overwhelming, I could just press pause. Right. Um, and it kind of taught me, I think, to, you know, approach things that are scary and, and learn how to deal with that. Right. And now looking back at like that, now that's kind of what my research is about a little bit, I guess, but I'd never thought of that until after I started doing the research, right. I never considered any of that until I, I started doing the research and then people, I come on podcasts and people ask me, you know, how did you get into horror? And I would start talking about it. And then I would think to myself, well, this is kind of what I'm describing that I'm seeing in, you know, the studies I'm doing. Um, so, so yeah, my introduction would have been with probably, you know, scary video games actually when I was a kid. And then when I got into, into graduate school and I was working on my PhD, I was thinking about sort of some of the weird things that people do, um, cause I was interested in studying sort of cognitive paradoxes, right? So, you know, something that doesn't make sense on its face, but probably has a better explanation for, for why we do it. And one of those things that I initially came across was, well, people really enjoy watching violence if it's in the right context, right? Most, most people don't like real violence. You don't actually want people to get hurt usually. Um, but we really enjoy violence if it's sanctioned, right? If it's, you know, for the Romans, if it's gladiators for us today, if it's UFC or boxing or, uh, other kinds of violent sports, uh, or violent movies, and so I was really interested in how humans kind of made that distinction between when violence is okay and when it's not. And so I started doing some studies on our interest in violence. And, you know, this whole time I've, I'm a horror fan, right? And so I started thinking, well, you know, it's also kind of weird that we scare ourselves for fun, right? A lot of people scare themselves for fun. And that's not something that other animals really do, at least not to the same extent that we do. And so as I started looking into these two things, I got hooked up with the, uh, some people over in Denmark. And we started doing some research at haunted houses about how people, you know, got enjoyment out of feeling afraid. And over time, those two kind of merged together. And I started thinking about them a little more broadly. And that's kind of how I stumbled into you know, this broader uh, area of, of morbid curiosity and, and how and why we pay attention to threatening things and why we might enjoy it when it's safe and how it might benefit us in some ways. That that study of the haunted houses was really interesting. Can you like describe like the the overall findings? Because from what I understand, uh, I'm I'm very dumb. So uh, this is <laughs> kind of what I took away from it was 
the enjoyment was kind of had a, a U curve based on how scared they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they like weren't scared at all, like there's, tell me if I'm wrong, they're they had like higher enjoyment than if they're kind of scared. But if they're really scared, that then they also had higher enjoyment. That's pretty um, close. I think the the difference was that. So we, we've done a couple of haunted house studies. I think the one you're referring to it's a a study we call playing with fear, and it was actually one of the earlier ones we did. And so in this one, we had people, so this haunted house is kind of back in the woods in in this small town in Denmark, and it's an old abandoned fishery, so it's like already very creepy. Uh, And they do a great job of of really um, dressing it up, and and the actors are great. And so we, we go in, and we set up like a big tent, and we get heart rate monitors and sort of iPads with surveys. And when people come in, we hook them up to the heart rate monitors. Um, they're basically just like a chest strap that people can wear through the haunt. Uh, we have them fill out some questionnaires about, you know, what they're expecting, how they're feeling. And then they go through the haunt. We set up sort of trap cameras where we can record them. Right. And at certain scares in the haunt, what we do is we capture, uh, in this case, we capture their facial expressions sort of their response to the scare and also whatever their heart rate monitor was reading at that time. Right. So were they laughing? Were they screaming? Was their heart racing? Were they, was it much lower? And then when they come out of the haunt, we ask them about those scares. So we kind of triangulated this from like the physiology aspect with the heart rate, but also the the behaviors, what other people see with the cameras, and then also their sort of internal understanding of what was going on. And what we found was that you're you're right about the inverse U-curve, right? It's kind of a a mountain shape. Um, And so what that means is that people who uh, were not very scared did not enjoy it that much, right? That's kind of at the bottom end over here. And people who were too scared, they enjoyed it a little more, but still did not enjoy it that much. What you find is that if you get like a seven out of 10, right, about a six or seven out of 10, that's where people realize, that's like the sweet spot is what we called it, of fear, where enjoyment is, is maximized. And so, of course, that sweet spot varies for a lot of people, right? Some people really want to be scared, and so their, um, their distribution is sort of uh, a little bigger, right? And their skew is a little more towards the, the 10 on a one out of 10. But overall, it's, you know, about a seven out of 10 is where the sweet spot was. And we're actually using what we found there now at the Recreational Fear Lab to build a a VR game that's adaptive and tries to keep you in your sweet spot, right? I think if you've seen Black Mirror, there's, I think, maybe (laughs) one of the episodes is about kind of this, where there's an adaptive horror game, and it ends up going crazy because it's Black Mirror. But in this case, we're not trying to scare people as much as possible. We're trying to figure out, based on their heart rate and their breathing, um, what things scare them and how can we tweak that to keep them keep their physiology, their heart rate, and the breathing, everything in that sweet spot. Keep it at that, like, whatever their 7 out of 10 is. Keep it right there so that it kind of maximizes enjoyment. The Recreational Fear Lab. The Recreational Fear Lab. I'm in the wrong industry because, (laughs) listen, you just described, like, my actual heaven, which is you set up a a house – to fuck with people constantly <laughs> and then you get to watch their reaction every time not just once but over and over again like this is this is the house that my wife lives in is just uh, <laughs> it's just like boo ah and then me going ha ha ha, ha. <laughs> you're, ho- you're helping her build resilience you're helping her build resilience by doing that oh, right and it's it's a it's a war of it's a, it's a war of attrition um colton i i have a great idea um I, I think you got a really great product um, idea on your hands of like the monitoring fear to like drip feed out fear. 
<laughs> I think you I think you should pivot, create the uh, recreational pleasure lab, and you could probably <laughs> have the most successful porn site on the internet if you yeah, just th- flip you know, that. If, if we if we figure out the mechanics, I think we could all become uh, instant billionaires by doing that. <laughs> yeah, we. Um, <laughs> um, so. No Sorry, wait, go wait. Ahead, I got, I got, I got a question. Um, okay, so it sounds like uh, it sounds like you've been you've been researching a lot of fucked up shit for a long time. So <laughs> I gotta, I gotta see. Is there anything unexplainable or so um, so messed up that you've you know just just generally speaking, what's the mm. most? I, I, so I have a and, and you can take some time. You know, if you want to come yeah, back yeah. to this, think about it a little bit because. In my family, we have a lot of nurses, and so what I will do is I will approach my cousin and say, what weird fucked up shit have you seen lately? And she'll be like, let me think on it, and then she'll come back to me with some horror story from the ER, <laughs> and it will, it, will, um, it will help me feel better about my life. So if you need to marinate in that question, do so, but I'm super okay. interested to know what kind of weird, horrible things you've seen. You mean personally or weird, horrible things that I don't think uh, we can explain yet from like from a science point of view? Whatever you think is the most interesting. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. You know, if, okay. if you right. yeah, if you've if you've got personal experiences, great. If 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 you got stuff that's, um, you know, that you think is uh, just just tickles your interest all the time. That's interesting, too. OK, yeah, I'll think about it. I'll think about okay. it. Remind me towards the end. I will. Um. So I've I've got there's one there's one article on your on your uh, Substack called The Origins of Our Fascination with True Crime. Mm-hmm. And I got to say if you're ever on the Joe Rogan podcast, this is the one to uh highlight <laughs> because it talks about basically gives the example of like of how chimpanzees or other other um apes react or uh, use aggression um Mm -hmm. as like um you know a means of power or or just as protection protecting the hierarchy and the difference Mm -hmm. between us and them is that humans um use what did you call it proactive aggression instead of reactive aggression yeah Yeah, we tend to plan it yeah (laughs) yeah so you you plan ahead that you get rid of the psychopaths so mm-hmm. that it's better for everyone, basically. Mm-hmm. And in chimps, the psychopaths are the ones that are kings. <laughs> um, so I, I'm kind of curious um, about why – I don't know. I, I think there's there's kind of a crossover with morbid curiosity um, where it goes from um, that healthy, like, planning ahead or, like, preparing yourself for the – you know, danger versus like people that actually use it to that and a translate into evil action. I think that's kind of sure. where a lot of the moral panic comes from. So like, what's yeah. the difference between someone that has like intense, morbid curiosity that's benign versus someone like, you know, for example, Jeffrey Dahmer or someone that's mm-hmm. like, has that morbid curiosity is like experimenting on, you know, dead animals and like, yeah, like yeah. I need more of this. So I'll just <laughs> yeah, have to take the next step. Does yeah. not hold back. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really great question because I, I think you're right that 
you know, those are the ones that make the news. And I, I just saw a, um, I just saw a, a news article the other day, and it was like, "Woman who loves true crime kills her husband." And I read the article, <laughs> and she had a lot more going on than liking true crime. I mean, there was a lot more like to that. Um, and the question I always want to ask when I see that is, okay, well, what other traits does she have, right? Like, how, why, why are we why are we assuming? I, I get the intuition that, oh, if they like this dark thing or thing that seems dark, that must explain, you know, why they're like this. But we sort of, you know, ignore everything else that's going on in that person's life or, like, traits that might be shared among people who do those kinds of things, right? So the way that I think about morbid curiosity when it comes to, let's say, like a serial killer, because probably most serial killers are a bit morbidly curious, right? Probably higher than average. Um it would be that, you know, morbid curiosity is, is almost a, a consequence of other traits that they have. So, you know, if I'm, let's say I'm morbidly curious about um, bodily injuries, right? A lot of people are. Like you were saying, your cousin's a nurse. You do have to have some kind of curiosity about how the body works, how it breaks, what it looks like when it's broken. Uh, and that includes a lot of gross stuff, right? Um, now, you have to kind of, there, there are ways to like balance that right so morbid curiosity is that you can think of it as a an approach motivation like I'm, I'm approaching the thing that's scary now there are things that kind of reel you back in right uh one of those might be empathy if you are really high in empathy and there, there are different kinds of empathy but let's just use it broadly for this case um if you're really high in empathy it might cause you in some cases to kind of pull back a little bit because it it doesn't feel good then to see someone who's in pain right um, now, people who are morbidly curious also don't necessarily want to see people who are in pain, but they may not feel a visceral reaction to that, right? So let's say you're high in, high in empathy, high in morbid curiosity. Um, you're going to feel a little conflicted when you see these things, right? That's going to prevent you from becoming like, let's say, a serial killer. Uh, if you're high in morbid curiosity, but you have no empathy at all, yeah, you might you might kind of uh, have some tendencies that are more like psychopathic or more similar oh. to what a serial killer would have. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I, you know... It's just like with the violent video game discourse, right? People who are people who are really violent, yeah, they probably like violent video games. But that doesn't mean that that's the that doesn't mean that everyone who likes violent video games likes them because they are violent, right? Um, so people who are morbidly curious, there are lots of reasons to be morbidly curious. If you're a serial killer, like yeah, you're probably interested in death and, and dying and all the things that lead to that. But maybe not for the same reasons that um, that other people are. Right. A predator, for example, a predator is uh, pretty morbidly curious, but for a very different reason than a prey animal is morbidly curious. Right. The zebras watching the lion are engaging in a type of morbid curiosity, but that's very different than, you know, the way that the lion looks at the zebra. That's so interesting. Um, and it's got me thinking. So, you know, it sounds like uh, you're uh, you grew up uh, doing the same things we did, probably about the same age as us. Um, I grew up you know, uh, formative years playing games like Grand Theft Auto, right? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and in Grand Theft Auto, there is, um, there's not necessarily, I guess it would be reward. I guess you would call it a reward system based around violence, right? Because sure. if yeah. you do something like you're, you're, of, theoretically, you're allowed to do all sorts of things, but most of the things you're allowed to do is let loose, you know, yeah, like yeah. just punch an old lady who's walking down the street. Yeah. And you're not getting like a day job at the corner store. And <laughs> right, right. So so the so like the reward system is a reaction, you know, yeah, like yeah. if you 
if you pick up a hooker and bring her to your car and you like try to uh, try to, you know, do go through the prompts in the right way, then the car starts to wiggle and your 13 year old kid is like, we I, you know, so but it would be so interesting if there were a video game where you could do nice things for people and get positive reactions for that and then compile all the day and then see and then really get a sense of like the psychopathic people and then you know see maybe you maybe your character did really well for being for for being nice and being like compassionate yeah Uh, yeah yeah. so there was a red dead redemption 2 right red Red dead redemption 2 you can either be like a good outlaw or a bad outlaw (sighs) right you can kind of like help people as if you come along them or you can shoot them and rob them and take their money uh, I, I wonder if there's data. It'd be great if there was like some kind of data on that to actually collect. Um, right. But yeah, there's there's definitely games like that where you can kind of like be the good version or the bad version. Now I suspect, and I think this is empirically backed up, that more people would actually choose the bad option uh, in, in many cases uh, because people. There's there's a paper that came out recently that that I was not involved in, but is super fascinating, showing that people are much more interested in morally bad and morally ambiguous characters. So they want to learn more about like what does a morally bad or morally ambiguous character do or, or what do they act like, right? And one great way to learn that would be to play a video game as a bad guy because there, there are no consequences. You're not actually hurting anyone. You're not going to go to jail. There's no sort of – you might feel a little bad if you shoot the hooker or shoot the, shoot the guy who's stranded with his horse, right? Uh, but you're not actually experiencing consequences. And so what that allows you to do is simulate – what is it like, like up close and personal, what is it like when you're a bad person? What does that do, right? And on like Red Dead, for example, uh, people don't like you <laughs> if you're a bad outlaw. In Grand Theft Auto, if, you, uh, if you're a bad, if you're a, a bad or extra bad, I guess, uh, what happens? Well, the, the police come after you and they try to shoot you, right? Like it shows you kind of the consequences of, of being bad in many cases, I think. Now, that being um, said, the serial killer would still choose to be bad, right? They wouldn't necessarily choose to be the good guy. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a little bit. Of, I'm going to change gears a little bit here. Do you have any off-the-beaten-path um, favorite uh, movies or horror movies that uh, – mm. Yeah, like um, – so, for example, I'll start this off. Um, there's one that we watched about a year ago called The Vanishing, um, and it's a, it's a Dutch film or – Belgian I'm not sure um and it's uh it's about a um it's about a, a woman disappearing and mm-hmm. uh, and and what and her husband's search for for her and it's um it's a uh, very strange and, and different and uh, and it's got me it's it just lives in my head for free do you have any movies that kind of live in your head for free Ooh, for free I don't, I don't usually let things live in my head for free um you know, I I have a list somewhere actually of these like off the beat path horror movies. One of them, uh, and I also I don't have a good sense of what <laughs> what is like well known and what's not. Have you guys watched the movie Spring? Oh, that's from that's from the guy who did um, the Endless and uh, and what was that other one? Resolution. Mm, um, I haven't seen either of those. But it's a pair. I love Spring. It's a pair of uh, director-writer guys that uh, – yeah, no, Spring uh, – I have not watched it yet, but it's on my list. Yeah, check uh, it out. It's a good one. Okay, great. Um, what else recently? I mean, I think I think this one's become more popular now, but have you seen The Sadness? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we watched that one. That one. Yeah. 
that was like oh, one was of the crazy. more uh that was like one of the more shocking i don't usually feel shocked when i watch horror movies but that one like kind of my mouth i found my mouth like dropping open at certain points um and i think yeah. you know without without having any spoilers here i mean the, the way the way that they for for listeners you know the way that they the reason that that was shocking was because they took something like a a, a format that's tried and true right so i don't think this is a spoiler but it's kind of like a zombie apocalypse it's like that kind of format right there's an apocalypse of some kind um but because they you know because of the twist that where they added intention to the beings you know the the they weren't mindless you know the bad guys weren't mindless they had bad intentions that made it extra shocking Right. Yeah. Um, because and that kind of taps into that to some I found it interesting because it taps into, I think, uh, you know, our, our morbid curiosity for dangerous people and trying to understand the motivations for why are they doing this? Right. If it's a zombie, I don't have to think about why are they doing it? They're they're hungry. They're mindless. Right. Um, but if it's a if it's a person that can think about things, they can enjoy something when they're doing something bad. That's extra terrifying. Right. Yeah. Especially if I can't necessarily tell that it's really hard to tell them apart from other people who are not like that. Yeah, there's no bargaining chip that you can play that will convince them. The thing they want is to mess with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and the more you do it, the the more the more you resist from it. The, you know, the more the enjoyment they get out of it, which is yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, we yeah. we reviewed that one with our resident artist Dustin Goble last year, and it was uh, he recommended that one to us. Yeah, and just following up on Spring, yeah, it's the uh, the writer director pair uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Yeah. And, mm. and, that's it. I really like their stuff, so I'm going to check out Spring. If you haven't seen The Endless, it's fabulous. I'll, I'll check that one out. Is it? Do you know what it's streaming on by chance? I don't. Um, okay, no, I I'll don't. check it out. I'll look. I'll look for it. Um, I've, I've got a couple more questions. I've got so many questions for you. I'm so so glad that you you came on because this is all really fascinating. Um, I'm curious. Number one, like, what's your opinion on? the i think it was a, there was a psychological study or maybe there's more than one about the scariest movies because mm, they're yeah. in the in the uh you know genre fandom like they <laughs> named host as the scariest movie yeah. and people were very um um it's a controversial decision contra yeah there was a controversial <laughs> decision yeah yeah so that that study um and i believe like before host it was sinister maybe was what was ranked highest um the way that they did that so that that was done by a i don't know if they hired consultants or how they did it but basically it was a like a tv network or something that hired consultants or somebody to come in and have people wear heart rate monitors while they watched movies this study is not like published anywhere so i can't read in detail the methods i can only go off of kind of what they're giving right it's not like an academic study um which doesn't mean it's not useful it just means that i can't read in detail you know how they did things um basically they had people wear heart rate monitors while they watched the movies uh and what they did is they measured um highest average heart rate and highest sort of peak heart rate so what was your highest heart rate at any moment in the movie and what was your what was the average heart rate throughout the movie and they took those two as indicators of fear which not you know not a terrible way to measure fear um i mean there are a lot of reasons your heart could be racing but you know that's a, that's an okay proxy um and i think what they found was that you know host in that in that case i think it was like a, the 2021 version or something host had the highest average heart rate or the highest peak heart rate i can't remember um sinister also was pretty high up there and you know i i don't know how many people they pulled in for that study i think it was it was maybe like 40 or 50 i can't remember which is also not a, not a bad number for something like that but 
you know, f- fear fear is different than like how your body responds to something, right? They're very interconnected, right? So if if I my heart's racing and and my palms are sweaty and breathing heavy, yeah, I'm probably afraid. But you know, the extent to which I feel fear when those things happen is it doesn't always map one to one. And so, you know, scariest uh, is it really measuring the scariest horror movie? Probably not. It's probably giving you a decent list of scary horror movies or, or like movies that will get your heart pumping, right? Um, and so for people whose, you know, feelings of fear are really closely tied to their, to their physiology, which is true for some people, um, that'll be a decent list for people who are horror movie fans. mm, You know, some of the things you see, you're going to expect and your heart rate's not going to be as high. Like, so that's the problem. I don't know if they pulled like a 40 horror movie fans, if they pulled 40 people who are not horror movie fans, you know, I have no idea like what the, the breakdown of their, their participants was. So it's hard to really draw any, for me to draw anything from that. Um, but I would love to do a study like that. That'd be great. I'd love to compare it. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. The, also, another study that I'd love to see is like the perception of gore based on how much is shown or for how long. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's like an interesting dynamic of like <laughs> some stuff that that really is very visceral. They don't actually show anything, or if they show too much, it's just like meh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Stephen King talks about this, right? He calls it. I think I actually have a piece on my Substack that I wrote maybe maybe a few weeks ago about the gross out, which is what he he labels like mm-hmm. the three types of fear, right? You have the terror, the horror, and the gross out. And the terror is like the the anxiety that builds from the the environment. The horror is the monster itself or the danger itself, and the gross out is kind of the outcome of interacting with it. So think of them as kind of a sequence of events. And and, and in this article, I was I was thinking about, you know, why are people sometimes interested in the gross out, right? And like you said, you don't want too much, right? It's not, it's not the point. Um, but what I, you know, based on some research that I've done and some other research that's out there, I think what's happening is that the gross out gives you a really good, or, you know, the disgust, the, the gore, gives you a good indication. It's like a good signal of how dangerous the monster is. And so I, I write in the article, you know, if I come across a body that's uh, got one puncture wound or something here, like, okay, you know, something dangerous is there. It killed this person with a little puncture wound. Um, if I come across a body and it's got, you know, it's got lots of scratches all over it. And it's a little mangled. I'm going to think, okay, something a little stronger, a little more dangerous got this person. And if I come across a body where the head is smashed in, I'm going to really think like, oh my God, there's something really terrible out there. Right. So my, my imagination or my, my envisioning of how big and scary the thing is that killed this person is, is dependent upon, the gore and the gross out. Now, if you overdo it, we, you know, it kind of trips the wire in our brains and makes us realize like, oh, that's, that's fake. That's not real. Um, but if you can give an indication that there's something really terrible there, uh, that's when you can really, you know, let, let people's minds create the monster a little more. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for people to create the worst case scenario in their minds. And it's much harder to depict that sometimes. That's, that's pretty interesting stuff. I, uh, and it makes, I mean, it's it just makes so much sense that yeah. just like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I guess that is right. Although it's not necessarily like it, it is a very lizard brain sort of thing. Right. Because it's yep. like you could come across a guy that you can't find any problem with. Yeah. Uh, and he's dead and uh, he got bit by a rattlesnake and you should be definitely scared of that rattlesnake. But you don't, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't trigger our minds in the same way. Right. If I doesn't. come across a guy who's got two holes in his arm it's not i don't viscerally you don't get that visceral feeling if i come across a guy whose arm is missing i have a much more like frightened response to that shocked response to that right um 
but you're right. It's it's very much a like you know over the course of millions of years, statistically, things that <laughs> cause more things that cause more damage are more dangerous, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're driving down the road and you see a little piece of trash just flutter in front of you and it looks a little bit like a snake, you're like, fuck! And you pull that wheel as hard as you can, you know? You're like, I do not want snake! And, yeah, uh, yeah, and that's yeah. all that she wrote, you know? And then you're in the yeah. ditch. Um, uh, so I gotta, I gotta say, I went to uh, coltonscrivener.com and, uh, and the first thing that caught my attention was up at the top. It said, morbid curiosity test. And Have I was you guys like, taken it? Hell yeah. Yeah, we have. I'm taking that fucking <laughs> test right now. Um, and I want to talk about my results yeah, because of course. I'm interested. Bryce, you took, did you take this too? Yeah, I did. I got my results up. Okay. Uh, Would you like to walk us through looking at our results or should we, should we bring, <laughs> tell you our averages? How do we do this? Um, why don't you tell me, why don't you tell me what you guys got? And maybe for the people at home, I think I provide some averages there you can just say uh -huh. you know i got this that's above average i got this that's below i suspect you guys will be above average on most of them uh, and okay. then i can walk through what those mean if you have questions right okay so we'll start um i'll bring us through the one two three four five uh areas of of rating um so we have uh your overall morbid curiosity Mm -hmm. um, which uh, the, the population average is three point four. I scored a five point one three. What and about these are out of, just for everyone uh, at home? These are out of a scale of one to six, right? One to right. six, yeah. right? Uh, I got a four point five eight. Okay, okay so five point three and four point five eight. So five both point, above five point one. Five point one. Yeah. So yeah. so both above average. A little higher for David, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then. Uh, I'll I'll just sorry I'll skip ahead because I'm uh, I'm just going to skip ahead to the ones that I had the highest score on. So there's one yeah. for uh, Minds of Dangerous People score, uh, uh -huh. which is probably interested in the psychology of dangerous That's people. Right. That's right. Uh, population average is three point nine three. I got five point six seven. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I, I got I got five point six seven too. Really? Yeah. Oh, you guys Yay. are twins. Best friends. Oh. Um, and then the other one I got was the violent score, which is population average was 3.18, and I got 5.33. <gasps> I got 5.33, too. Really? Yeah. Did you guys really awesome. get the same on those? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, there, there, are only, uh, there are only, I think, six questions in each one, and you average them. So it's not, you know. Right. It's not super unlikely that you get the same average, but it's pretty unlikely that you get the same average on two of them. That's trippy. Yeah, I got almost completely average for paranormal. There's paranormal well, score. Yeah, yeah. For, okay. For, which was the population average was 3.43, 3, and I got a 3.5. On paranormal? On paranormal, which My I thought paranormal was... paranormal was straight six. Really? <laughs> yeah. See, that I think, like, score. I think I would have scored higher, but I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten more skeptical. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm not actually <laughs> interested in, you know, occult, because, yeah. like, I know it's bullshit but i'm interested in it like uh as a an average amount yeah like form you know. form of like fiction you know and yeah yeah having fun um and then the the last one was the body violation or bodily injury score uh population average 3.08 i got 3.83 that's um, a little higher than mine i got 3.5 yeah that's uh the, the body violation tends to be the lowest i think you know the 
earlier we talked about those uh, like resist things that cause you to resist your morbid curiosity, and so that one tends to lead to it tends to elicit the most empathy in people. So if you're an empath- more empathetic, that one's a little like more, there's a little more confliction uh, conflicting mm-hmm. feelings there, you know. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's so weird because like I go pretty deep into you know internet morbid curiosity which is an endless hole of like <laughs> i mean you find a a compilation on uh, industrial lathe accidents and that's like well that's pretty much the maximum <laughs> amount of horror you can ever experience in your life uh so i'm surprised that i didn't score higher on that but yeah i mean it's it's a uh, it's uh I don't know whether I should be worried or or not, but like I'm definitely have like a higher higher interest in these things, which makes sense since you know we have a horror movie podcast. Yeah, it'd be a little weird if you guys were like scoring below average on these right. things. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You should definitely be worried. Um, but uh, <laughs> eyes what, on Bryce. Were what what were you? Do, have you taken the? Have you? I'm assuming you've taken your own test. What? Did, yeah. What, it, it, it's been a minute since I've taken it, but I have taken it. Um, I tried to wait until other people had taken it. It was kind of, you know, finalized and official, and then I took it. I didn't want it to. I didn't want to score something and be like, oh, well, I need to change that. That's clearly wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I scored pretty high. I think like a five, five four, five five something on average uh, overall, um, and, and fairly high on on all of them. I think. Um, but you know, it changes a little bit too, as you age, as you mentioned, Bryce, you know, like your paranormal tends to change as people age. Um, certainly the, the body violation violence that tends to change a little bit as you age as well. Um, I think the highest for, for the, for the average person in the world, uh, the true crime one, the, uh, minds of dangerous people, that one tends to be a little higher than their others because it has the least amount of resistance, right? There's not a lot of, there aren't a lot of things that are causing pushback when you're trying to learn about a dangerous person because you don't necessarily have to see the gore you don't necessarily have to see the victim um you're just trying to learn about you know what's making them tick and so there's there are fewer things that are causing pushback on that one so that one tends to be a little higher for people well thank you so much colton for coming on the show today um just want to point people to your website coltonscrivener.com um that well your name will be spelled out in the title of our of our <laughs> podcast episode and yeah. and we'll provide a link there as well but coltonscrivener.com and also the, your substack coltonscrivener.substack.com um uh lots of fascinating stuff and and links off to other interviews and coverage and and really appreciate you coming on and uh making us feel better about liking horrible things <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so much more to get. There's so many other questions I'd love to talk about, but you know, we're, we ran out of time. Um, especially the, the study about the uh, horror fans resiliency to the yeah, COVID-19 yeah. pandemic, but yeah, we'll have um, to have you back. Yeah. yeah we'll point, I'd love to we'll come back. Yeah. point our fans to that. And yeah, we'd love to have you back and we can have you back for a full episode. If there was a favorite horror movie or something you want to talk about too. Cool. Um, yeah. So thanks again. We'll, um, We'll say bye-bye unless there's anything else you want to oh, share with the fans. Yes. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I have, I, have a, I, have a, I have to follow up. What was – can mm. have you come up with any of the most fucked up things you've encountered? That I've encountered. In your studies or, uh, or in yeah. real life? Um, so I did uh, 
I did my master's degree in forensic science. Um, and as part of that, we see a lot of crazy stuff, right? Like you see a lot of crazy stuff when you're learning about <laughs> crime scenes. Um, and so th there were quite a few, none of this was, you know, none of this was, uh, in person, but there are quite a few things when you're, when you're learning about them, like the, the images and the videos are, are pretty terrifying. Um, but uh, you know, nothing, nothing in real life. Like I haven't come across a, a body that's just decaying, you know, in a swamp or something. Um, no, nothing like that, that I can think of. Well, there's always the chance in the future. <laughs> yes, there's always hope. There's always hope. Here's hoping, can... yeah. <laughs> Colton Scrivener, everybody, thank you so much for coming by. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So thank you so much to Colton for coming on. That was great. What a, that, I, I had a great time with that. Yeah, everybody no, else that, did, too. No, that was awesome. That was yeah. – um, just compare and contrast to our upcoming interview with the uh, Hollywood Horror Museum. Uh, Wait for it; this, it's gonna you know. be. It, you're gonna you're gonna cream all over those sweet <laughs> pants. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Um, please share the podcast with a friend wherever you follow us, either on YouTube or on your podcast platforms. Uh, leave us a review or a comment or follow us subscribe ring that bell all the things oh um, we should we should play ourselves out with our 1010 subscriber um uh man we got some you if you haven't checked out our youtube channel we got some fucking incredible stuff going on over there i don't i don't think i oh no oh no my secrets oh no my secrets uh let me see if i can we've got get this to work we've got fart simpson working overtime over there making some of the best content i this is so enjoyable for me to get to have this stuff happen it's uh it's awesome uh so we we set a goal for a thousand subscribers we hit it we made a video for it and then uh in that video we made another goal of a thousand and ten subscribers and we got and we made that goal two we got 10 more so this is the 1010 um subscriber Whoa! <laughs> um i can't i can't well they'll just have to go and, and check it out on our youtube channel that's a, that's good anyway anyway you guys have a great day and we love you very much Bye 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 Good day, sir. Good day, sir. You lose. You get nothing. Is that a big spreadly wood. He had no face. Horror. Wow, that didn't sound good.